Well, good morning. If we have not had the privilege of meeting, my name is Megan Maserol, and I serve here as the Director of Serve Ministries at Covenant. Uh, but today, it is my honor to get to share God's Word with you. Our scripture today is going to be found in John 1, starting in verse 19. So if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn with me there. Um, if you do not have a Bible, our verses are going to be up on the screen. So John chapter 1, starting in verse 19, reads, Now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, but among you, stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at the Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. Would you pray with me? Oh God, your word says that where two or more are gathered, you are present. And so, God, we, we recognize your presence in this place and in this space. God, and we ask that as we sit in this space, whether we're here in person or here online, that we would just take a moment to be in awe of you. God, we ask that this place and this space and this time would echo Christ be magnified. God, would you give us ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts that are open, and souls that are craving to be revived and refilled by the grace and love of God. So God, we love you and and we trust you. And we give you this time and we ask all of these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So, I have a cousin who has a pretty unique name. So unique that I am almost certain 
that when I say his name, there is not going to be a soul in here who has met someone with this same name. If you have, please, please find me after and tell me. I would be fascinated <laughs> to meet another person with this name. Uh, so my cousin, his name is Steiger. That, that really is his name. And uh, his name is very specific. It actually speaks so much about him for him. Because you see, my cousin Steiger was named after a tractor. Yeah, it really, really was. You've probably heard of the brand John Deere of a tractor, and there is a brand called Steiger that my cousin Steiger was specifically named after. And, and he was intentionally named Steiger because he, in his family line, is the sixth generation of farmers and harvesters in his family line. Uh, his family line, his part of my dad's side of the family has been farming in this same area of Oklahoma since 1875. The name Steiger in and of itself actually means foreman. And by definition, foreman means a man who is set over a particular project, a particular task. And so Steiger's name speaks so much about his identity for him. And recently I got to call up my cousin Steiger and, and catch up with him and talk with him for a little bit. And I asked him, I said, okay, Steiger, be, be real with me, be straight with me. When did you actually know that you were going to carry on the family legacy of being a farmer? That you, in fact, were going to be the sixth generation um, of farmers and harvesters in your family? And he, he kind of smiled and, and chuckled with a quite confident answer. And he said, he said, Megan, I can't even remember a time where this wasn't what I wanted to do. He, was, he, he said, it's like I was born to do this. It's like I was, I was, I was made for this. The main character in our story today, in our scripture today, is a man by the name of John the Baptist. And his name alone gives us a window, a peek into his identity. Now, just, in, just an aside before we continue on. Um, and I, I grew up in uh, the Baptist church. And not from, from their teaching specifically, but I think because my uh, identity was in the Baptist church, I, for a good portion of my childhood, legitimately thought that John the Baptist was like the Baptist. Like that he <laughs> started the denomination and I figured, well, at some point I guess I'll see Mark the Methodist or Luke the Lutheran somewhere in here, but, but I digress. <laughs> So John, John the Baptist was not in fact 
the Baptist in that sense, but he was, in fact, a man that baptized people. Um, if we could sum up his, his ministry endeavors for his life, we would find that summation in a verse in Matthew 3, in verse 2, where John preaches, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John, as we see his, his life unfolded in scripture, he was very clear and very purposeful about his mission and his calling. And that his mission and calling was to tell people, repent, the Messiah, the King, the one you've been waiting for, he's coming and he's coming soon. And if I could stand right here and, and have a conversation with John the Baptist. And I, could, and I could ask him, so John, John B., um, what, when, when would you say that you knew that this was your calling, this was your purpose for your life here on earth? I imagine that his answer would look quite similar to that of my cousin Steiger's that he would feel and know that from birth, this, what he was, this is what he was made for. This is what he was called to do. Because this was absolutely what John the Baptist was made for and was called to do. Because you see, John the Baptist's birth and beginning of his ministry actually broke the four hundred year prophetic silence of in that time period is a time period that we recognize as the time between the old and new testament in by malachi in the book of malachi and moses in the book of deuteronomy these old testament voices prophesied of a man that would come before the messiah to prepare the way before him John's parents, Elizabeth and Zechariah, were both met by the angel of the Lord named Gabriel that told them that they were going to have a baby, that they were going to have a son, and that they were to name him John. We see Zechariah's encounter recorded in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 13. Listen to what the angel of the Lord said to Zechariah regarding John's life. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of parents to their children 
in the disobedience to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So as you can see here, and as you can imagine, John was birthed with such clarity about his calling. He was, even before he was born, given the Holy Spirit as a guide of how to live out his purpose as a messenger preparing the way for the Messiah that was to come. John was, in fact, placed, created, made. He was placed in time for such a time as this. So it's no wonder, then, why he was so quick and so sure to tell others who asked him who he was and who he wasn't. He knew without a shadow of a doubt, this is who I am, this is who I'm not. Very clearly, like we see in the scripture that we're looking at today, starting back in verse 20, it said, he did not fail to confess, but confessed freely. I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? He answered you. No. Finally, they said, who are you? (laughs) Give us an answer to, to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And this is so beautiful, the language that John chooses to use here. John replied in the words of Isaiah, the prophet. I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Back in the ancient Near East time, roads were not something to call home about. Uh, Most of them would be completely unpaved, especially if the journey that you were taking was taking you through certain areas of land we would label those areas of land wilderness because there was no clear path made for travelers to go. So when you had people like royalty that were going to make long and travel long distances and bring their wagons, their chariots, all of the things that they needed to bring that royalty needs, I guess, they would send a messenger before them to the destination of where they were to go. The messenger would go and tell them the royalty is coming, the king is coming, so that they could then begin the incredible work that it took to prepare the way, to prepare a straight, clear path in the wilderness so that the king could come. The, the incredible measures of, of digging up into the ground, toiling and working the soil, the rock even, and making the ground level. Removing rocks of various sizes, getting them out of the way. All hindrances had to be dealt with, had to be cleared out 
so that the path be made smooth, the path be made clear, the path be made straight, so that the king and queen would come. So John the Baptist choosing to use this language to answer, to give an answer to who he was, gives us great insight to how he understood the duty that was set upon him. He very clearly saw that he too was solely a messenger saying, hey, you Levites, priests, Pharisees, anyone and everyone who would listen, the king is coming. The Messiah is coming. Now is the time to get rid of anything in your life that is keeping the king from coming. Anything that would keep you from the belief that the Messiah is here. Any barriers of disbelief, any obstacles that need to be dealt with, repent. Repent, brothers and sisters, because the king is coming, and he is coming so soon. Make clear a pathway straight to your heart so that you would know and believe that Jesus is the Messiah. This scripture ends with the Pharisees asking John a a follow-up question. And and they say, now the Pharisees who uh, had been questioned, they ask him, they said, okay, why, why then do you baptize? Why do you baptize? If you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet, why do you baptize? Who, who are you? Why do you do these things? They could not understand. And John's reply, I, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. John the Baptist's life and ministry is marked for us with such profound significance. He is a pinnacle pillar of the narrative of Jesus that we see throughout the Bible. John the Baptist was longed for. He was prophesied about for hundreds of years before he came. And why? Why why would people be so hungry for John the Baptist to come? Because when John the Baptist would come, they knew that that meant that the Messiah was coming too. They knew that he was so close to coming too. 
So if we don't have John coming before, if we don't have John living out his calling, we have to have him before we have the Messiah. But what I find so fascinating about John the Baptist's life and ministry is that when he is asked how he would describe himself, how he, what he would say about who he is, he describes himself as anything but significant. Anything but significant. This language that he uses of saying, I am not worthy to even untie the sandals of the one who's coming after me, that language is putting his posture beneath and below even the lowest of low servant of that day and age. His position, his posture screams of a man drenched in humility and reverence for the Messiah to come. And we have an important lesson, message that we can take from looking at a man's posture, so humble, so reverent, of a man that, of a Messiah that was to come, as we are people that are called to have a posture beneath the Messiah who has come. You see, if, if John's life, if John's life was about preparing the way for the Messiah who was to come, then our lives are about pointing the way to the Messiah who came and is to come again. If, if John's job was to call people to remove the junk in their life that would keep them from believing that Jesus was on the way, then our job is to point people to the hope that Jesus is the way. And he has taken every roadblock away. Our sin, our shame, our guilt, our penalty for that sin that we couldn't remove. Friends, reverence leads us to remembrance. Remembrance of who we are and who we are not. We, we are not the gods of our own life. We are not the saviors of our own story. We are people desperately in need of the Jesus who was born in a manger. Our sufficiency 
is found in the all-encompassing payment of Christ. Friends, Jesus, he paid it all. All, all to him we owe. He whose sandals we too are not worthy to untie. But he who is worthy of all of our praise for all of our life. Would we who call ourselves believers in Jesus Christ take our born-again birthright place in position in our calling to simply be pointing, pointing to the Messiah who has come. The hope is here. The hope has come. The Savior of the world has paid it all. Let our lives be image bearers of that truth and of Christ. Because we have a world who needs to hear it. We have a world that needs to know that hope is alive. Hope is here. May we in all reverence and in the posture of humility recognize that we have a God that doesn't need us, but invites us to be a part of the work that he's doing here. Friends, let's be a part of what he's doing here so that our lives, at the end of our lives, similar to, to John the Baptist, we, we would simply say, it's not I, it's him. Don't follow me, follow him. He is the one worthy of all of our praise. Jesus Christ, be magnified. Let us pray. Well, God, we are humbled. And so deeply grateful that while we could do nothing of our own strength and our own merit to save ourselves. And we definitely didn't do anything to deserve it. God, you sent us away. You sent us away to be saved in Jesus. And, and, and it can be so easy sometimes to, to forget the magnitude of the gift that's been given to us and to minimize the calling that you've placed on our lives. God, what grace that you invite us to be a part of bringing the message of hope to the world. God, would you, would you let our reverence lead us to remembrance 
of who we are and who we are not. Will we be reminded that you are the one to be made much of? May your kingdom come. May your will be done. And may our lives be laid down and surrendered to be whoever you're calling us to be for your mission of bringing hope to the world. Hope has come. God, we love you and we trust you. We pray all of this in the mighty name of Jesus.